What is going on guys and welcome to another episode of the Lean365 podcast. Now today is a very special one because we have our first guest and it's the one and only Nathan Bennett. Who else could I get on for my first guest appearance? Um, I went to meet with Nathan, he's one of my very, very good friends and he is also a fellow online coach in the industry. So I feel like he's going to be able to give you guys a lot of value uh, and a lot of insights into fitness and getting into the shape of your life. So without any further ado, Nathan, give us a bit of an introduction of how you got into the industry and where you're at with things at the moment. Cool. Thank you very much, Chris. I really do appreciate you having me on as your first guest. Um, so where to begin? Um, so I'll talk about how I sort of found my love for fitness and then got into the industry. So really, um, I found my love for training and fitness really through my dad. Um, so both my parents um, well, my mum was in the military, my dad still is in the military. Um, so I sort of had that upbringing of um, the sort of rigidness in regards to um, training and regime and stuff like that. Um, I wouldn't say it was strict, it was a good upbringing. I mean, I love my parents, but um, my dad was massively into his training, he's into sport and I, he sort of rubbed off on me. Um, I was massively into rugby, training with him, like he's nearly 60 and he still has a six pack. Um, so, so nice. definitely. I, I remember actually that, I think I saw a photo of your dad and I've met your dad a couple of times, but yeah, he seems like he's in very good shape. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, played rugby, so I was massively into my sports, um, went to university, studied exercise and fitness management, which is the same course as you, um, and met you there as well, obviously. Um, and then... Did my PT qualifications at Pure um, at the at the university, and then joined a local Pure gym, um, and started PTing there for about four years, and then I made that transition onto online coaching, um, and obviously built my base up from the gym floor, and then transitioned onto online. So that's really where I am now. Awesome, yeah. So for guys listening, Nathan is the the gent who got me into Pure gym when I. Uh, forged a, a pull test and uh, lost my job at David Lloyd. So yeah, a, a lot to thank him for. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people now end up going online after they've kind of done their time in face-to-face -face training. Um, what was the transition like online for you? And, and what would you kind of say that the biggest differences are with like face-to-face -face and online training, if there are any kind of coaches listening to this podcast? Yeah. So for me, the biggest difference in regards to the the face to face to online is that on online I now have a lot more it sounds crazy because obviously you're seeing someone in person for maybe one hour two hours a week but I am now able to communicate with my clients a lot better and a lot more efficiently and that's something that I like right I don't want to be able I don't want to have that um, sort of lack of communication with my clients I want to be able to help them when when and if they need help. Um, and for me, like, I don't think one-to-one -one PT is dead. Like a lot of online coaches slate one-to-one -one training. Um, there's a lot of people in the industry that just think that one-to-one -one is rubbish. When in reality, it built me up. Mm. It's a massive, massive industry, part of the industry. And it's not dead whatsoever. I still love one-to-one -one training. Um, I think it's great. However, for me, it was personally a decision that I made to transition online and it was the right decision for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's it's kind of a lot of online coaches always slander face to face just because, you know, it's kind of the go to that people would gravitate towards. I think online coaching's built up more of a name for itself recently. But like you say, I think there's always going to be a market for people that, you know, want that support face to face in the gym. But 
I think you'll probably agree with me as well that online coaching, you know, for the kind of clients that we work with does work, you know, a lot better. Like you say, you can kind of have much better communication, really look at a lot of other variables. And obviously we've both built our program out to the level where it is giving people a bit more support outside the gym, which I think is really important. But no, yeah, I agree. I think that, um, you know, both models work. I think it's going to kind of depend on the client of, of what uh, they want to do best. So today's podcast, yeah. really, we're... Uh, we wanted to do one about just our biggest mistakes. Like me and Nathan have both been training for a long time now, for about 10 years. Um, we've made probably every mistake under the sun. We've bulked, we've uh, cut, we've both done photo shoots. So, you know, we really have like been in the trenches with our dieting and our training. So it's uh, it's probably a good time to just really go back to some of the stupid things we did in the past and, and hopefully give you guys a bit of value so that you don't actually make the mistakes that, you know, maybe you are actually making at the moment. Um, so what we'll start off with is uh, we're going to go for nutrition. And I think, Nathan, if you can give us, it doesn't have to be your number one biggest mistake, but just one of your biggest mistakes when it came to nutrition that if you could go back, you really wouldn't do again. It's kind of a bit cringy yeah. now. Yeah. So I know for you, obviously, you, you train a lot of guys. Um, and for me, one of the biggest mistakes being a guy is thinking that eating everything under the sun and consuming your body weight in food every single day is just going to mean that you are gaining more and more muscle when in reality um i've got pretty fat i i got pretty in bad state i was um eating terribly my nutrition was awful but i just thought if i inhaled every single calorie possible i would simply grow and Honestly, that is just not, it can be further from the truth. There's always that saying that's like, eat big to get big. And there comes a catch. There's eat big to get fat or there's <laughs> there's eat big, but in, in a relatively yeah. controlled surplus, right? <laughs> yeah, like I think the whole dirty bulking thing is just, it's, it's definitely a myth that people need to know a little bit more about. I've always been quite fortunate that I've had like, like a very fast metabolism. I've always kind of held on to my abs and stuff, but yeah, I definitely know what you mean. And I do remember the time when uh, we were living together and, and you were eating a lot of food. And <laughs> I don't think you ever got out of shape. No one would probably look at you and think this this guy doesn't train, but you no, probably got to the point That's where you didn't feel harsh. great about yourself to no, you know, a certain uh, extent. Yeah, and then, yeah, even from that, there's just the, the energy standpoint of things. Like what you've got to remember is if you're just eating excessively, then that's impacting other factors other than just your body body weight going up and seeing the scale weight constantly go up. Um, it actually affected my energy levels, my digestion. I was always having a bad stomach and I'd be like, oh, why is this? But if I'm consuming four or 5,000 calories a day, sometimes in, in a sitting, I'd be consuming 2,000 calories. I wasn't really thinking about my digestion. I was just thinking if I eat more food, surely I'm just going to be gaining muscle. And honestly, that is just the furthest from the truth. Yeah, 100%. I think that like for any guy that really wants to build muscle, like, of course we need to be in a calorie surplus, which is, you know, effectively eating more food than what we're burning. But I think being in a small surplus and like gradually building your calories up is just a much more like strategic way of doing it. Cause you're not going to gain as much body fat as you know, what you would, if you weren't, I think that people think that, you know, sometimes you can kind of gain muscle without gaining any body fat, which again is, is a little bit false. So, you are going to gain some body fat in a lean bulk phase, but I think that you can definitely do it in a way in which it's not to the point of, you know, you feel uncomfortable. Like you say, energy levels drop, you feel sluggish. You know, you're just generally not maybe feeling as good as you were when you're a little bit leaner, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, and, it, and it goes back to that fact of 
a controlled surplus and it's not just blindly consuming food. I think for a lot of um, people, females and males, um, there's a massive emphasis on controlling your calories when you are dieting. And then I feel like as soon as you go into that gaining phase or a lean bulk, you just forget about the sort of strictness that you have in that dieting phase. And then that's causing you to just throw tracking out the window, forget about actually food quality. Um, and as soon as it goes, right, I'm not going to see my abs this summer because I'm just getting a gain. In, or I'm not going to see my abs this winter because I'm in a gaining phase. Um, and yeah. then you forget about what are the actual basics that work? Yeah, 100%. You're so right. Like people almost think that after they've done the diet, they, they don't need to have those habits anymore. They don't need to track their food. Like they can just kind of eat whatever they want. Um, yeah, and, and it's so far from the truth. So for anyone who's listening to this, whether you are a guy or a girl, please make sure if, you know, if the goal is to build muscle mass, you're doing it in a controlled way. You know, you are still keeping those standards in place and you're not getting, you know, fat and, and gaining body fat just because you think you're bulking. Um, I'm going to throw one in there. Yeah. Uh, next, next mistake that I think that was probably one of the biggest ones that I made was just dieting on super, super low calories. So, uh, I think the first cut I ever did, um, I think I was like going on holiday to somewhere like Malia or Magaluf, one of those, one of those places that we all go to when we're younger. And I just remember like eating, I was working with PT at the time, which is, you know, questionable to, to his advice, but I remember eating such a low amount of calories. There was literally like a rice cake in like a few other bits. Right, that's a little bit of a lie, but I felt so, so bad. Like training performance was terrible. Um, I lost so much muscle mass. I just felt like a bit of a shell of a guy. And I think that that's what a lot of people do. They sometimes think that kind of the other end of the spectrum of what we've just spoken about, you know, if I eat a really small amount of calories, then I'm going to lose body fat quicker, which is again, like a massive myth, right? Have you ever done something like that as well? Of course, of course. As soon as you initially think you, you think the lower, the better. It's always that one extreme or the other, right? If I cut my calories to the point of oblivion um, and you feel like Gollum, that um, <laughs> you, you're basically going to just get lean. And then also on the, the, the other side is eating as much as you can. So there's always that swing around about mm. in regards to being one extreme to the other, when in both cases, it's always a moderate deficit, which is going to be more sustainable and successful. And then also that moderate surplus, that's going to be more sustainable, right? Yeah, one 100%. Yeah, I think that's what people forget because I think like the biggest goal when we're dieting, right, is to retain muscle. Like it's not just a contest of who can lose the most amount of weight in the quickest amount of time. I think that's what people sometimes yeah. think. And the biggest goal is to lose body fat and to actually sustain muscle mass. And if you have your calories too low, like you are going to lose, but you're going to lose uh, muscle. It's an absolute like no brainer. So just make sure that when you are cutting, yes, you need to be in a calorie deficit, but you don't bring your calories down to the point of where yeah, they're so low and, and what's also going to happen is i'm not sure if you experienced this but i've definitely seen this with people before as well Is you can almost like lose weight very very quickly at the start but as you kind of like you know get into it a little bit further your metabolism kind of drops a little bit to stop you from you know continually losing weight you get to the point of where you then have to drop your calories even further to keep seeing progress and it's almost just like you know how low do i have to go to get lean so we want to almost eat the most amount of food as we can to lose body fat and then slowly, slowly, slowly drop kind of over time. Like that's the most strategic way of doing it to protect energy levels, but to protect muscle mass as well. So it's so, so important. Yeah, minimal input, maximum out. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So next up, what, what's what's yeah. another uh, what's another nutrition mistake that you feel like you've made in the past? It's, it's something that's, uh, yeah, you wouldn't do again, basically. So for me, definitely avoiding carbohydrates. I think that's one that everyone sort of has done in the past. 
Um, I think social media, the media, every like, there's always something that's bad, right? Saturated fats, carbs, um, sugar, whatever it would be, something is to blame for the reason that there's a problem with obesity, with why people are overweight. And in reality, we know we need carbs. Uh, it's our main energy source, right? Mm. If we're going to cut carbs and you're going into the gym and you're on a zero carb diet, like we've both done low carb, we've done it together and you just feel shit. Mm. You feel awful. Like it works for people, but if you're just going absolutely minimal carbs, you're not going to be able to perform well. Your brain function is going to be rubbish. Like mm. th th there's so many things that get affected and yeah, sometimes you're going to have to pull down your carbohydrates when you're, when you're in that deficit, you're going to have to slowly moderate them down. Um, at some point, right. When you talked yeah. about the, the auto regulation of your metabolism and stuff like that, the easiest thing to sort of pull it from, like you don't yeah, really want to be lowering your protein around that when it's staying around that one pound, uh, one gram per pound. Um, but from that standpoint, from, yeah, it, it's, it's, you don't want to be going low carbs, yeah. like, or just avoiding carbs. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a no brainer, isn't it? I'm not really sure. Like, like you say, a lot of it is like social media and stuff that we've always been led to believe that carbs make you fat. But I think it is, is that like a lot of, you know, typically the, the, the foods that we, you know, perceive as being bad are very high in carbs. So it's not carbohydrates that are making people fat. It's the fact, the fact that you are in a calorie surplus, you're eating too much food. And a lot of these foods yeah. are you know, typically very, very high in carbs, which is probably the biggest misconception. And I think, like you say, like you, mm -hmm. carbs are our, one of our biggest energy sources, um, you know, and, and that is essentially how our body is provided with fuel. So if we start cutting that out, we're going to feel shit. Um, we're going to be training very poorly. Um, and also it's just so like, and you know, you can't go out and enjoy yourself. You can't go out for nice foods because you're constantly kind of having to make sure there's, you know, no carbs on the thing that you're trying to eat. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a tricky one. And I think we've all kind of experienced that before, but yeah, it's, it's something that I think we need, we're trying to avoid. Um, how many clients have you kind of had that have come to you that have, have kind of fallen for the no carb trap in the past? Is it quite a lot or generally a client's a bit more educated around that? Yeah, so you're always like you're always going to have a client that that believes something um, along those lines, and definitely within my client base, I try and educate them. Um, so I do things like weekly trainings and go over the basics in regards. To, like I did a training last week on common myths, and one of those were just avoid. Like one of those was along the lines of of avoiding carbohydrates or something like that, or carbs are the enemy, or um, something like that. Um, so. Yeah, but what I try and do is educate them exactly the way that you would as well, mm. where we need carbohydrates as as a source of fuel and they are beneficial. They're not the enemy. We shouldn't be avoiding them. The the sort of thinking that just cutting out bread is, is the or just eating bread is the reason why you potentially are gaining body fat is, is not the reason. It's going to be down to your total calories uh, and concentrating on that first is, is going to be the most important thing. Yeah, it's it's a big myth for sure. So uh, guys and girls that are listening to this, you do not need to cut out carbs. You can keep carbs in your diet, um, but you just need to make sure obviously you are keeping on top of your calorie intake. That's going to be the number one driver when it comes to you losing body fat. And I think if you know, there's multiple ways to skin a cat, you know, we can use a low carb diet to lose body fat. And I used to very much I used to slag off keto because I thought it was very, very shit. And it's still probably not something that I would use with my clients. There is methods there that, you know, ketogenic diets can work. 
So if you are the sort of person that does respond well to higher fats and lower carbs, don't listen to this podcast and think I need to change it. If it's working, it's working, right? But I think you just need to look at it from a bit more of a bird's eye view that, you know, a lot of what you read probably isn't going to be the truth. Um, so the next thing that I want to talk about, which is probably the biggest mistake that, that one of the biggest mistakes that I made uh, for my competition, which was like three or four years ago now, 2019, and it was super restrictive dieting. So I was working with a coach at the time. Um, I, I understand with comp prep, you know, it is like the elite, right, of dieting. Like you have to be, you know, very, very meticulous with your foods and stuff. But I think I probably took it a bit too much to the extreme. Um, and I think that's where I probably realized the prep life wasn't for me. But where I was so, so, so rigid, restrictive with my dieting to the point of where, as Nathan would say, I was having like beef protein. I was cutting out, um, you know, like all these different things to, to try and, you know, be in the most optimal shape I could it led me to you know probably one of the worst rebounds I have ever been on in my entire life of training gaining so oh much weight my. yeah yeah give, give, the, give us all the rundown of what that was like when so, you saw me at my yes I'll do the bird's eye view perspective yeah I'll, I'll do the outside perspective here Chris is going to say this in the nicest way but um yeah so I was living with Chris at the time of this prep obviously at the time I wasn't prepping for anything I think I was just sort of main gaining or just sort of in in just enjoying my training and nutrition um and i think it, it was a good thing that we weren't both weren't dieting because um it probably would have ended in tears but ultimately chris went on this diet and um as much as i said it's probably a, not the greatest idea um everything was restrictive we were eating grass-fed everything no gluten <laughs> um beef protein so not even whey protein like we're talking beef protein um and yeah you could tell that it was a restrictive diet your mood your energy you just were yeah you were just out of it really and and i can see why you did it because you were in absolutely immense shape it was crazy this guy stood on the stage um was in better condition than anyone stood next to him um, unfortunately, didn't place where we wanted to. Yeah. I think you were too conditioned for that show. <laughs> oh, man, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the restrictiveness of it was was too much. And it was a learning curve. Mm. Uh, I think that's something that we need to remember is that, like, you, you're probably listening to this thinking, um, we're saying these mistakes, but we have made these mistakes. We have mm. done these things in the past and we've learned from it. And that's something that we can teach to our clients as well. Yeah, 100%. That's it. Like, we learn from our mistakes. So it's so important to make them. But yeah, I think that that was definitely a low point for me. And like the rebound was probably the worst bit. And I think this is where obviously lots of people go wrong. Yeah. Like you follow a super restrictive diet. You know, if the goal is big enough, the why is big enough for you, even if it's just because you want to look your best on holiday, people will do what they need to do to get there. And I've, I've worked with so many guys that have got shredded for a holiday before and it's been such a restrictive way of doing it. They've come back, they've gained their weight back. And that was very much what happened to me, like very restrictive approach. You know, I just remember like all I'd be thinking about was what am I going to eat when I come off this prep? Like kind of just making these lists in my head of all these foods that I was going to have. I was like watching food porn on Instagram and stuff. And it was actually probably borderline eating disorder. And this is why I'm, you know, I absolutely have so much respect for people that compete, but it's very much not something that I would probably do again. And it's it's just not something that I would potentially like, you know, coach and preach to clients because I just feel like there is a lot of people that kind of do fall into that trap that happened to me. So I think my biggest advice for people is, um, you know, obviously there has to be some form of, of structure. You need to be in good quality nutrition, but 
just don't cut out the foods that you love you know you can still have nice you know parts of your diet in that you can enjoy you can go out for food at the weekend um you yeah. don't have to literally eat chicken and rice all day long to get great results uh, and i think like obviously I, i've seen you know your approach and stuff it's, it is like kind of similar to mine right very flexible you know you, you'll coach your clients in terms of how to go out of the weekends how to enjoy things like that um what is your take on like kind of flexible dieting or like 80 20 all that kind of stuff like how do you kind of like go about that with your clients and yourself well, firstly, I live by it. So I, I, that's what I do. So why do I not let my clients do it? Obviously, what people or what I get people to try and understand is that there has to be some sort of sacrifice in regards to things like you can't go out every day of the week, eating out, um, drinking. At, there, there's a time and a place. There's a there's a moderation in regards to those things. But if you're consistently ticking those boxes um, as frequently as possible, it gives you a little bit more of that opportunity to potentially have that little bit of that off that 20%, right? Mm -hmm. To add that into your diet. Um, so it, it works, it works. You have to sort of build into it. And, um, but I definitely live by it where it works for my clients and it makes it a lot more sustainable for them. Yeah, 100%. I think you're right though, like it's something you, you, you almost have to earn the right to, to have that, you know, more flexibility. I think when you get started with your diet, you do have to live by, you know, a little bit of stricter rules. You do need to get your habits in place. You do need to start to understand nutrition properly using my fitness pad, all this kind of stuff. And I think that you can start to probably be a bit more flexible and experiment a bit more after you've kind of done the initial prep work of the first month, two months, three months. So, but yeah, this is it 100%. And, and I know with Nathan, like he's always like so rigid with tracking his food. He's, he, you know, very much does eat flexibly and has lots of recipes and stuff that he, he gives out to his clients, all this kind of stuff. And very much an advocate of like flexible dieting, but still having structure and, and in place, which I think is so, so important. So yeah. restrictive dieting doesn't work. Don't do it guys. Um, when we need to make sure we have that flexibility and that balance in place to, to actually get to where we want to be. So I, the, the next, I, I want to go into the supplement side of things next. I feel like there's there's some supplements we can talk about that we've probably taken in the past that have given us very little success because, I mean, we could probably do a separate podcast on supplements and the ones that don't work. So we're trying not to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but there's definitely a few out there that we've probably spent money on in the past, haven't really got us anywhere. So I'm going to start off with... Uh, with one that I've taken in the past. So uh, BCAAs, I'm sure you've been in the same category before. Um, yeah, what's your kind of take on, well, I'm sure you've used BCAAs before, right? Do you feel like they are a supplement that's yeah. needed or not something that you would really <laughs> recommend to clients? Uh, so for me, in regards to supplementation, the, the, the time that I got in the best ever shape, the best ever condition I've ever been in and look the best, um, potentially didn't feel the best. Obviously, a hard diet is going to be mm. when you're in the trenches with a diet, you get to that point. But I mean, when I was in the best shape, I was literally taking a multivitamin and creatine and fish oils. That is it. So things like BCAAs, mm. CL, I'm just thinking of random. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember CLA. Like all these fat burners and stuff. It, it's, it comes down to basics. It's all marketing. That is mm. all marketing. And um, in reality, just stick to the basics that work, that are scientifically proven to help you. Mm. Um, like creatine is the most researched supplement. Yeah. And BCAAs has been found to, it, it's pretty, pretty much a, yeah. um, 
waste of money. Yeah. So go with the ones that work and don't overcomplicate your uh, supplements. Like mm. if you're getting it through your nutrition as well, if you're getting good quality nutrition in, do you need supplements? It's questionable, isn't it? So yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think like the ones that I would recommend, I would probably kick out on one hand. I think creatine definitely is, is, is one I would take. I think, you know, anyone really who trains t- should be taking creatine. Like it, it's got no harmful effects. It can lead to an increase in strength and performance. And that in return could help with building muscle. Um, I'd, believe that most people would benefit from a whey protein i I don't think it's obviously it's not essential but i think a lot of people do struggle when it comes to getting in enough protein you know meats and stuff like that so it's such an easy like you know scoop of protein you can get in like 30 grams so it's not essential but it's something that i probably would advocate um you know apart from that i think you're saying multivitamins a good one fish oils again i think is a good supplement because again unless you like eating a lot of salmon and you're having probably like three to four portions of that per week you're not going to be getting in uh, the fatty acids that you need um multivitamin i like to think is like a bit of an insurance policy it just covers you if you are slightly deficient um but yeah i mean apart from that i think if you you know you train early and you do you do tolerate caffeine well caffeine in some form of supplement can work i've actually gone towards uh, like a caffeine gum recently which is just like very very direct it's, it's, it, it works um but i think really apart from that like unless you do have certain deficiencies or you know anything that you may benefit from other supplements i, I would personally say that's you know really all you need apart from maybe a, another couple of of ones but yeah i feel like in the past um it, there's been a lot of money wasted on oh, shitty supplements so much money yeah. yeah you literally go on one of these websites like i'm not going to name any names but there's always a sale on and there's <laughs> there's just like this list of supplements that are just not needed and maybe it gets you your your free delivery but <laughs> you don't need them you don't need them honestly i would rather spend my money on on something else than just buying this huge stack of supplements and expecting them to do the work when in reality you have your training in place you have your nutrition in place you have your stress and recovery in place um and you're going to see results 100% i think people need to spend their money on an actual coach who knows what they're doing. This isn't a plug by the way, but you're going to get a much more bang for your buck from working with a coach than actually spending money on supplements and fads and Herbalife. And again, I'm not going to go around too much of a rabbit hole here, but all these different things that have kind of come to light in the last 10 years. Um, you know, I'd probably try and avoid a lot of these things like the plague. Um, awesome. So I think that kind of sums up nutrition. There's some, hopefully some, good stuff in there that you guys have taken some value from i hope you're not making too many of those mistakes um next up i want to cover training so give us your biggest mistake or one of the biggest mistakes that you've made um when it's come to training that you kind of look back on now and you're a bit like why did i do that yeah so i think we did this at university together and it was something that we did pretty much every day and it was training every day and then also just the amount of volume we would put into our training um like more isn't better. I think that's just the, I need to train every day. Otherwise I'm not going to see results. Um, I need to do X amount of sets for this specific exercise. Otherwise I'm not going to progress on it. When in reality there, there comes to a point where you're getting diminishing return from it. So yeah, um, yeah, junk volume for me is probably the biggest one uh, and just training frequency. Yeah. 100%. I, I literally remember, I think I was like, 
I was I used to watch like Lewis Harrison's stories and stuff and he used to be like no rest days seven days a week and i don't know i'm sure some of you, sure some of you listening to this probably have heard of him and uh i'm, I'm not gonna you know i'm not saying him off at all but yeah i remember looking at these influencers and like people like ross dickerson and stuff like training every single day like seven days a week doing like gvt on on legs and stuff and it like it's just it's just not necessary like nathan said you do get a point of diminishing returns where you're actually not getting any more benefit off doing the extra sets training more so you're eating into the time where you could be spending it with your family with your friends like doing other things than actually going to the gym um and, and doing a session so recovery is probably one of the most important and underrated tools with, with fitness like we've had i'm sure nathan's had lots of clients that literally train like three days per week with full body workouts and get incredible results because the workouts are structured in the correct way they're recovering from their workouts they're progressing on their lifts and it's something they can stick to over a long period of time because it's not overwhelming they're not doing all these sessions per week is that something that you have quite a lot of clients do like kind of almost like less is better kind of thing yeah so three four times a week if they want to do more they can do more but it's just it's down to personal preference of what how you're recovering I've had clients that will come in and be like, right, I want to train. I want to train five times a week, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. We'll do it. And then what we'll do is we'll assess what your energy's like. We'll assess how you're actually progressing on things. And sometimes it just comes to the case that um, more isn't better for you. You, they, they, they come back to me and they go, actually, I'm not recovering well. My sleep's being rubbish. Um, maybe my nutrition's now taking a hit. So yeah, we just pull it back, and then we find that three, four sessions might be more beneficial. Um, but ultimately, it's going to come down to a good quality program that's mm. going to work for you. Yeah, 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 100%. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, next, I'm going to throw one in there as well, and I'm sure you've you've done this. Uh, I still kind of look back on this and laugh, but it's the, the bro split, like the chest day, the arms day, the calves day, like, you know, like the, the stupid training where you're just going to the gym and doing like one muscle group. Um, for a natural lifter, which is obviously, you know, my, myself and your clients are at, is that something that you would recommend or, or not? Uh, no. <laughs> simple answer, no. No, it's um, a simple answer. I love it. So, so for some of my, for, I totally understand it from an enjoyment standpoint. Mm, oh yeah. So okay. for some of my clients, for example, I love to go into the gym, maybe on a Sunday and. I enjoy training like you enjoy training mm. and sometimes you want to just go in and do a little bit of a bro session there's no, i don't see any problem with that mm. but if you are serious about progressing and you literally are going into the gym and just training chest mm. you're you're not the frequency like if you hit your chest that hard you're not going to be able to train it for at least yeah. a week um where in reality if you're splitting up that volume and maybe hitting it twice three times a week and being able to recover in between those sessions Mm. you're, you're going to see so much more benefit from that frequency yeah 100 percent. and i think i think that's what the science says as well like you know if we do look at like hypertrophy it's it's definitely been shown to be more effective to be hitting a muscle group multiple times per week rather than just doing it once and then training it again in like a week's time and i guess like for someone who is um you know taking you know some form of like performance enhancing drugs there might be a little bit of a difference obviously like rates of hypertrophy change a little bit so bro spits can work but thinking the reality like we kind of know now science says you know hit a, hit a muscle group and then essentially train it again in a few days time and you're probably going to get a much more bang for your buck from actually doing something like that but you did raise a very good point in there actually like talking about enjoyment i think that's such a key one like the most important aspect of anything in terms of nutrition and training is something you actually enjoy something you can stick to that is what's going to keep you in this game for such a long time so 
again, like if you're, you know, listening to this at the moment and you're doing a bro split and it's working for you, you're consistent, you go to the gym and, it, and it's something that you genuinely enjoy and you're progressing with it. Don't, you know, listen to this, don't change that. If it's working, amazing. But I just think from a, you know, an optimal standpoint of what's going to work the best, what's going to get you the quickest return on your investment in terms of time in the gym, like, yeah, it's, it's going to come down to actually putting your training plan in yeah. like push pull legs or upper lower, something like that, right? Yeah, there's going to be people like we enjoy training. <clears throat> We're massively passionate about it and we enjoy going to the gym. However, there are people that want to get in shape. They want to see the, those results. However, they may not enjoy training. So um, if you're finding something that works for you, if you want to do a specific glute day um, and you find that that works, yeah, it's down to trial and error and it's and it's down to what works for you. But obviously for me and you, we would push someone in towards that direction of what we know works. But mm. sometimes, um, well, obviously we, we listen to our clients and, and we we would ask them if if they don't like something, I would change it. So if someone specifically wanted to change something, I would by all means take mm. it into consideration and then give them the rationale behind that um, and, and educate them. I think yeah. that's key. 100%. Adherence is king at the end of the day. So like if if something is changing so that someone's genuinely going to enjoy it more, then without a doubt that that's going to be the right thing. Yeah. Um, I, here's a good one. So I, I'm interested to see what your take is on this, but uh, obviously typically in lockdown, but I still feel like it's, it's quite popular now. Like people started doing a lot of HIIT workout. This isn't probably a mistake we made. Like we, we you know, we, we never really did that, but I feel like people make a lot of mistakes in terms of like they do HIIT workouts or like they'll do lots of classes and like try mm -hmm. the next fad, like Joe Wicks, all this kind of stuff. And is that really like what you would kind of recommend when it comes to body composition, obviously getting in good shape, right? Like building a good body. Uh, no, I would, I would definitely focus on the primarily going into the gym to, to focus on resistance training first, mm. um, and then potentially your cardio stuff. As well, um, but I do have clients. I do have quite a few clients that enjoy doing classes, um, which I have absolutely no problem with. Um, if it's something you enjoy and you're going into the gym and that's that gets you into the gym and that gets you to move and exercise mm. and you really do like doing that, I have no problem with that. I don't think there's any problem, but obviously I want to combine that with your resistance training as well. So I would be like, primarily let's focus on resistance training. And then if we want to add in a class or something that's gonna get you into the gym and you enjoy, potentially if they don't like doing the resistance training stuff, mm. add it in, it's gonna make your uh, process a lot more adherent yeah, one one hundred percent. I think that's the same. Like I've, I've, I've again, like lots of clients and stuff that maybe they were doing more classes before and and they still want to do them and they enjoy them. So yeah. it's very much a case of like actually looking at the week and like how can we still get these classes in there. But at the end of the day, I think we both know that if you are coming to us and you want to get in great shape, you know, you want to have that beach body, bikini body, like there's no way you can skip the resistance training. You know, you need to go to the gym. You need to actually. Yeah put the reps in in terms of your big lifts and stuff to get to where you want to be with your body. So by all means, you know, do your classes, still keep them in there, but the focus on resistance training really should should be there more more so than cardio and things like that, which I think is so important. Yeah. Um, so Chris, what do you think about in regards to like home training and stuff as well? Yeah, that's an interesting one. So I think that again, like there's, I, I get a lot of clients that, that do that. I've still got some clients that get great results from it. I think it depends on, again, like, you know, equipment, what people have got access to, what people's goals are. Like, you know, you work with, uh, you know, typically maybe more like beginner clients and stuff, whereas a lot of my clients are a little bit more intermediate. So there's, there's going to be a bit of a switch there. But I think 
if you've got enough equipment and you know and you can do a, a workout from home you can still stimulate you know your muscles to the point of what you would be doing in the gym there's literally no issue with it at all like people forget sometimes that your body doesn't know the difference between being in the state of the art gym and being at home and and training because all your body knows is being put through stress and stimulus to then obviously be able to grow back stronger so it doesn't matter if you're not training at a gym you can get a great quality workout in from home but it is just about making sure you obviously have got you know the right amount of equipment and stuff to do that have you got clients that obviously do like home workouts and things like that as well yeah yeah, I've got quite a few and they, they get very, very good results from it. Um, it's, mm. it's exactly that. I feel like there's more of an emphasis of people thinking, oh, I have to train in the state of the art gym. Mm. Um, it has to look nice. And, and what we've got to remember is how many people got results in lockdown, right? Yeah. And 100%. what people focused on, I think that was a massive thing during lockdown, um, which I think was beneficial. And, and when we look at these mistakes as well, is that, during lockdown, we we could focus on the emphasis of the real basics, and we went back to the basics. Like mm. we didn't have that equipment. What could we do with two dumbbells? Mm. Um, and I feel like I made a massive amount of progress in oh, lockdown yeah. because I was working on weaknesses. Um, I was able to really bait, like strip my training down and focus on um, the basic principles that work. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah definitely. I, I I see um my clients get very good results from training at home. Yeah, 100%. It's interesting you say that because I remember, again, like having quite a lot of clients that, that progressed so well in lockdown just because obviously like it, a lot mm. of the social side of things was, was taken out of the picture. But yeah, like you say, we had to adapt. We had to adapt to something that was different to what we were doing before. And yeah, like stripping things right down, like changing up the style and everything like that, maybe a little bit more of a focus on eccentrics, that kind of stuff. It, it works. So yeah, yeah, like if anyone's listening to this, <clears throat> you know, you're training from home right now or you know, it's something that you, you kind of want to get into the gym, you feel like you're not ready, like carry on doing your home workouts. Like you don't need to progress to a gym environment until you feel like you're ready. And the chances are you've probably got enough equipment at home to be able to actually train optimally and, and you know, and get great results from that. Um, here's an interesting one. So I remember one of the biggest mistakes I made. I probably wouldn't say I'd do this anymore, but um, I used to try and push way too much weight, you know, try and train as heavy as I could. Probably when we trained at uni and we were like, we were at pure gym like and it was like super busy and there was there was loads of females in there and we used to try and you know train as heavy as possible <laughs> i remember i used to like push oh yeah loads and loads of weight <laughs> really poor form like training in a way which you know gave me injuries and just never really was a great way so like what's your take on that like do you feel like a lot of people probably do train too heavy and they don't look at form and like you know is there something that you would probably change yeah. that? ego lifting Ego lifting. Mm. I think in that gym environment, especially for guys, there's that, oh, look over my shoulder, that guy's benching the 50s. So why don't I get the 50s up? And then you you, you go to do that and, oh, my shoulder hurts. How many, pe how many people probably listen to this, like have had some sort of twinge in their shoulder and stuff? And it's literally just from ego lifting and um, not controlling the weight and focusing too much on the number, like your body doesn't know that you've got the fifties in your hand. It doesn't know that. It doesn't know that you're competing against someone else. It, it literally knows the stress that you're putting it under. Mm. Um, and I think once you realize that it's just about really, yes, there it comes the stage where you have to progress on your lifts, but it's going to be execution over the load um, most of the time anyway. So yeah, 100%. I still remember like squatting way too much weight, like probably probably touched that 200 kilos um, and my leg like kind of bending in forward and, you know, probably not even getting 
half of yeah. the way down. So yeah, very, very poor. So if people listen to this. Well, if anyone knows injuries, it's not. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, 100%. So what's like your kind of thought process on like, you know, warming up and things like that? Now, obviously you said you are quite injury prone. Um, is it something you would like definitely be doing? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah I'm now injury prone. Um, <laughs> I'm the Harland of the gym. Um, so, um, so yeah, I've had my fair share of injuries from just being an idiot Mm. and just lifting stupid weights. So the funny thing is, is that I did my dissertation at uni on like in the importance of warm up protocols on things like squats. So if anyone should know to warm up, yeah. Um, so I have a massive emphasis on, on warm ups with my clients, something that I just get them to make sure that they 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 do the protocols mm. especially just warming up your core body temperature like that's going to reduce the risk of your injury massively um just literally getting warm mm. like to a light sweat and then you go to train you're going to be in a better state than if you just walk into the gym and i see it so many times just walk into the gym not even like people just walk in with their bag and then just jump to the bench put two plates on oh, or put man, a plate on yeah. each side and they start benching like, what are you doing yeah, I what are you that. doing? Just literally warm up, mm. warm up, even just work up. Even if you weren't going to do any core body temperature increasing, if you, even if you weren't going to do any mobility work. And I would just say work the weight up. Don't just mm. chuck your top sets on and start lifting. Yeah, that that's definitely ego lifting. I remember seeing that as well, like putting putting 100 kilos on the bench press and, and just going straight into it. It is literally like... Yeah, we've um, done that. We've done that. Yeah. We got injured from it, so... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably fair enough. Yeah, you're literally a moment away from from a pec tear or like something that's probably going to keep you out of the gym for a long time. So I don't think I don't think warming up needs to be overcomplicated, but I think yeah, with 100%, there just need to be some form of warming up that goes into a session at, at the start, especially if you you don't want to get injured, um, which you know I'm assuming most of the people listening to this don't. You don't want to do no, no. Um, no cool. So I reckon the next the next part I reckon we should move on to is almost like lifestyle mistakes we've made. So looking at some of the things that just in our day-to-day life, we, we didn't yeah, really okay. focus on. And I think one of the things for me, which I'm sure you'll probably agree with, is I never I never really used to put much of an emphasis on my step count. I, I don't think anyone really did, right? We didn't really care about that. We just used to think that we need to be doing lots of cardio and to get lean, it was like, right, an hour on the stepper is the only thing I need to do. And the reality is you're, you're neat, like the amount of calories you burn outside of the, the gym and the stuff that you're doing, that, you know, when you're not focusing on exercise, it actually makes up a larger percentage of the calories you burn across the day than your exercise. So step count is something that I think is so underrated. And obviously now people are starting to get onto the trend a bit more of, you know, your 10K steps, your 12K steps. Is that something that you did as well? Like almost like for kind of neglect the basics? I never, ever really got into track my step. I don't think I even owned a watch until probably, or watch track. I didn't look at my steps. I didn't even know how many steps I did a day, but um my latest sort of leaning phase that i ever did i had a huge emphasis on it and it made my life so much easier um just being able to increase my expenditure knowing and assessing my expenditure um and giving myself that sort of like baseline goal of what do i need to achieve for the day it sort of standardizes what i know my expenditure is to what i need to be consuming um it just makes your life easier so yeah definitely managing your expenditure and knowing your sort of averages of mm. steps really does help 100 it's almost like a bit of a low-hanging fruit as well like it's so it's so easy like i know people make up a lot of excuses like oh i don't have time to do my steps but 
you can literally do anything to get your steps in. You can park your car further away from work. Like you can walk to the furthest toilet in your, you know, work block. Like it's so easy to get them in. So making the excuse of, of not being able to have the time, it's, it's kind of a little bit poor really. Um, so I think that like, if there's anything that, you know, if you're looking at like, what is the easiest way for me to start shifting body fat from an actual exercise or from a non-exercise perspective, go and do more steps, like get your steps up to 10K, 12K, 15K. And I guarantee that will be probably the biggest uh, like improvement into your current lifestyle that, that you'll be doing. Um, give us another mistake that you made when it came to sort of like lifestyle goals, you know, something that you just kind of in the past didn't really look on too much. Yeah. So for me, and it's something that my clients are probably absolutely sick of me banging on about all the time is just simply having a structure and a routine. Like for me, Oh, it, it, it's a game changer in regards to just having a routine of what you're doing. Like I, I know people don't have the same structure and routine every day. People might work shifts. They might work nights. They, they don't know their work schedule, but doing things like just planning out your week and spending an hour of your whole week, which is minimal time. And I know pretty much everyone has that time to just schedule in things. Know when you're training, know when you're planning on doing your steps, even just planning out your food and having that structure in place, like what are we going to have for tea? What am I having for breakfast? Mm. Um, and doing that in advance just makes life so much easier rather than just free balling it, guessing um, and going, right, tomorrow, am I training or am I not training? Mm. What am I going to eat tomorrow? Just having that planning and structure in place makes life so much easier um, yeah. for you reaching your goals. 100%. I think people just live in this like reactive state all the time. Like, they, they don't have structure. They get out of bed and it's just like almost like bouncing off the walls, like serving other people. I know you did a, a post recently mm. about almost being a bit selfish, which I, I massively agree with, but people like just bounce off the walls in terms of like, you know, no structure. What am I going to have for, for food to, uh, for my lunch today? And it's, yeah, yeah it's poor. Like, and I feel like you need to literally look at your week. And I think having that time on a Sunday, typically, which works for most people to just reflect and it doesn't need to be like sitting there journaling for hours. Like you literally just need to think about, right, when am I going to train? No, no, not at all. Yeah, like food, all these different things. Like it, it can take you five minutes, but the power of doing that on your results, it's absolutely huge. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, um, and, I, I, yeah and I see it on the, it's, it's mainly like the weekends and stuff where the structure goes out of place. Mm. So something that I like to look at is like reverse engineering your week. Um, and... For me, if most people have plans Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah, and that's when you're going to be most likely doing things that's going to bring you out of structure. So by simply just structuring that weekend first and then knowing what you need to be working around for the rest of the week to potentially ensure that you can still achieve your goals. So even if it is, for example, saving some calories and allocating it for that Saturday night dinner that you're having, doing that and then structuring your week the rest of your week after structuring that Saturday that you're having, that you know what you're going to be consuming, understanding that just makes your life so much easier rather than getting to Saturday and being like, oh God, how do I even manage this mm. now? And then you're in that vicious cycle of it every single week. Yeah, 100%. I think again, like talking about weekends and people going wrong and stuff on that is, is another uh subject we could probably talk a lot about mm. but 100 i think you know people you you often know what you're doing at the weekend before right so you need to be looking at that and really putting a plan in place beforehand 100 so i've got another yeah. one that um that i've kind of done a little bit of and it's kind of just almost not actually getting clear on what, what the goal is i think people really struggle with clarity um like i remember when i've kind of cut in the past i've not really put like a date of when i'm going to achieve my goal i've not really like 
looked at how much weight I'm going to lose. And I just think like some of these metrics are quite important. Like people aren't really clear on like, you know, what it is that they're trying to achieve. So I think you need to really look at how much weight is it that I really want to try and lose. And obviously we don't need to be looking at weight, you know, too closely, but it is something to be concerned of. Um, and, you know, looking at how long is it going to take mm. me to get to that goal? Because then you can start to actually plot urgency on your goal. You can, you know, stick a date on it. And the chances of that happening is is obviously going to, you know, probably be a lot more likely. Um, so here's one then. Mm. Like, obviously, a lot of your client base is is heavily female. So you work with a lot of females. You've, you've got some incredible results um, with a lot of women. So what would you say like the biggest mistake that women make um you know that stops them from getting that bikini body that they actually want um so it's it's going to come down to train it's going to be a training one um and it's literally prioritizing cardio over resistance training mm. um so what you've got to remember is or what i try and get people to understand is that when you go into the gym, your primary focus is to build muscle. You're not there to burn calories. Mm -hmm. So you going into the gym and just doing endless hours of cardio, instead of prioritizing your resistance training first and then potentially doing even just cardio after, you're basically leaving, I don't know what they're saying, is it like leaving your cars on the table or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But you, you, you're basically going to fall short, especially from a physical figure standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going into gym to build muscle and focusing on that first, it should be your priority, your number one priority and then progressing on training. And um, I'm going to bring up my client, Hannah, mm. who literally um, is one of my rock star clients. She's absolutely smashed it. And I think heart, maybe a couple months in during our, our the process of coaching, um, I was assessing her form on, on videos and stuff. And I was like, are you actually training like, do you feel like you're training to the point where you're pushing yourself? And um, she said, yeah. And then I basically, on a check-in, I went, watch this video. And she had maybe three, four reps left in the tank. And I was like, now, every single session, I want you to now push it a bit harder, okay? So now you think that you're pushing it, now push it harder. Like, And that sort of mentally tapped into her. And we saw her physique totally change. Mm -hmm. When she started really pushing it in the gym, look at progressively overloading her lifts and really on the emphasis of getting stronger. And I think a lot of females are scared of that and they sort of stray away from it because it's scary. They don't want to look bulky. Mm. When in reality, resistance training should be your primary focus. And that is where you're going to see those biggest changes, the bang for your buck. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So you've kind of already answered this, but do weights make women bulky or is that a myth? no no like i'm not i, I don't want to sound like a, a ho like horrible here but mm. what we've got to think is there's so many people that are training like even like guys that are training that have trained for years and they don't have the basic principles in place of progressive overload and good quality nutrition and recovery mm. and they look the same mm. um and they lift weights yeah. right they're not bulky yeah so they have an advantage with their testosterone levels, yeah. with their physical makeup. Mm. So they're already at an advantage and they're not bulky. So yeah. females, unfortunately, are going to be at a little bit more of a disadvantage to build muscle. But that doesn't mean that just as soon as you pick up a weight in the gym, you're suddenly just going to be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you, you definitely know that. I'll... I'm trying to think of a really... Muscly, <laughs> really muscly woman. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I can't even 
Nah, I, just, I can't even think, to be honest. But like you say, like... Um, or like, or like, as someone who's got an unreal like amount of muscle, like Serena Williams, mm. someone like that. Just because you go to the gym and you pick up a weight doesn't mean you're just going to turn up. Like you're just going to be like that is some solid training. That is an athlete mm. who has done so much training. Yeah, um, you're not just suddenly going to change like that. Yeah, exactly that. I, I think like you say, like obviously testosterone levels in women are like literally minutiae compared to guys, mm. and that in itself is is not going to drive muscle growth. So women definitely need to be picking up weights if you want to get in good shape if you want to build a bikini body like you need to be going to the gym and lifting weights um 100 yeah. so obviously we're, we're almost like an hour in now so i reckon we look to kind of wrap this up we could we could talk for absolutely hours on mistakes things that have gone wrong and in the past um but we'll uh we'll come to a bit of a crazy so one thing i want to ask you i'm mm. going to kind of make this a bit of a trend on the podcast i'm going to ask this to everyone so what would be your biggest hit or like your biggest take home of people listening to this that want to get in the shape of their life? Like, what would you say to someone if you just, and this is a hard question, just one thing that you would say, like, this is, this is my advice. Uh, have a strong why. So know why you're doing this, like why you're putting yourself through this process. And once you know that and you have that sort of passion um, towards that, it's going to make it, a lot more enjoyable you're going to make it a lot more sustainable and you have a rationale behind why you're doing this if you just go in it with a blind eye and you're not sure the reason why you're doing it mm. if you nail that down it makes the process so much easier so yeah i would say have a strong why of of why you're doing this process yeah 100 percent. and um if people have kind of listened to my previous podcast they'll know that i, I went into the kind of depths of this as well as like you know why why do you want to do this and it's so important and you've got to almost look a little bit beyond the surface level as well like it's got to be more than just like i want to get shredded to go on holiday like i want to be you know looking amazing for my wedding like this stuff does work don't get me wrong but it's not going to keep you in shape for life so you do need to be quite clear on who that person is you want to become and yeah i think that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that people can take from it so mate it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on i think um the first guest appearance has, has definitely gone really really well and, and hopefully people are going to extract a lot of value out of this podcast and hopefully people are going to stop making some of these mistakes obviously we've given probably about you know 10 to 15 mistakes here so you know you'd like to think now people are gonna uh start kind of assessing and, and hopefully not kind of falling down some of these traps so one last thing um where can people find out more about you so where if someone wants to interact you know where is it you're probably your most present at the moment uh yeah so my main platform is on instagram um, and my username is n.bfitness. Um, so that's probably the, the platform that I'm most active on. So, um, yeah, drop me a follow, please. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, 100%. And guys as well, like, if you've enjoyed this episode, um, we would really appreciate it. Stick this on your story. Tag myself, Chris Wright PT, um, and also tag MB Fitness as well. Um, and girls. Yeah, guys and, and girls. girls. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Guys and girls, make sure you get on it. Um, and also, guys, if you, I have to, I'm going to get my, uh, I'm going to get done here for being sexy. Guys and girls, make sure also, uh, if you have enjoyed this, drop me a five star review, subscribe for future episodes, um, and I can't wait to see you in the next one. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Um, I reckon we should do another one soon, right? We can think of probably another topic we can we can jump on. Of course, of course. 100%. Awesome. Right, guys, I will catch you in the next episode.